this time on episode 410 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss the first five episodes of the 1992 X-Men animated series. We talk weekly Marvel news, including Disney Plus correcting its MCU Black Widow Black Panther timeline. Disney Plus MCU Hub adds every Marvel one-shot. And Marvel removing Secret Invasion and What If from its release date in Japan. I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes, as told on screen by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, January 27th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Fox Kids wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Hey, gang, happy National Chocolate Cake Day. Mm, hey. Does it count if my wife made chocolate brownies? Yes. Okay, good. Because they're spicy ones and they're really good. Spicy? Yeah. It sneaks up on you. Like, I made the mistake of taking a really big bite and there's, it's nothing, it's nothing. And then, oh crap, there's the heat. What does she add? I don't know. It was a mix that one of her friends has that we were testing out. Okay. I'm not sure I'd like that. But at least there's sugar combating the heat. Oh, yeah. And they were really good. If I remember, I can get a picture of the packaging and we can maybe get that in the show notes. Did you drink milk with it? No, I just ate it because I'm hardcore like that. Okay. Well, I like all sorts of cake. Chocolate cake is my favorite, but there is such a thing as too much chocolate in the chocolate cake. Yes. I'm one that just does not like the chocolate frosting with the chocolate cake with the chocolate frosting in the middle with it eventually it just becomes like we're just all chocolate i i'm not one of those and it can be too rich as well like way too chocolatey to the point where you're like okay this is way too much of a good thing my belly would tell you i think otherwise but i agree (laughs) you keep on wanting to shovel it in but your mouth's like i don't yeah this is good but uh too good All right, so I'll have to go out this weekend and have some chocolate. There's this new store in town called Anything Bunt Cake. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I don't know if it's a national level franchise or not, but it's Anything Bunt Cake. That's clever. Yep. Yep, pretty sure we have one here, and I live at least 10 minutes away from you. At least. At least 10 hours away from me, I think. I, maybe even 20, but we'll go for at least 10. 
All right, enough talk about chocolate cake. Let's talk about the chocolate cake for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we love talking about Marvel. Because of bad Cajun accents, mon petit. If you want to talk to us about bad Cajun accents, you can talk to us on our website, legendsofshield.com. You could uh, share your bad Cajun accent on our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you're really brave, you can make a video with your bad Cajun accent and have a bad Cajun accent costume to go with it and show us on Twitter. Tag us over at Legends of Shield. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash geek. And if you want to get some tips on how bad your bad Cajun accent is, go over to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. This is something that has been years in the making, to be honest with you. Everybody that I podcasted with on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. wanted to talk at one point or another about X-Men the Animated Series. We're going to do that today. But we didn't do it without me reaching out to former agent of the show, Haley, who said this is what made her a Marvel fan. And she's very sorry she can't join us because she's studying to do some professional certificates. Otherwise, she'd be here and she is looking forward to having an excuse to watch a few episodes of X-Men, the animated series with us. So with that said. Let's just get right into it. X-Men, the animated series, episode one through five, premiered on Fox Kids, Saturday, October 31st, 1992, which was Halloween, believe it or not. There is a story behind that. We'll get to that later. The next episode premiered a week later, Saturday, November 7th, 1992. The following episode, episode three, premiered Friday, November 27th, 1992. And then we didn't get episodes four and five until January. So Saturday, January 23rd, 1993, and Saturday, January 30th, 1993. The episodes were titled Night of the Sentinels, Part One, Night of the Sentinels, Part Two, Enter Magneto, Deadly Reunions, and Captive Hearts. Do either of you two know the story behind why this premiered as weirdly as it did? No. I should, but I don't. So there's a long, long story. We'll get into it at some point in the podcast. But the person that was the head of Fox Kids at the time said, I want an X-Men animated series. So she set forth, we're just going to go do it. So she contracted a company to do it, who contracted another company to do the animation. And they were supposed to premiere in early September around the Labor Day holiday when most of the other kids shows were premiering for their fall runs. Well, the problem was there were so many production issues of getting the animation together. It was basically a a lot of animation delays and the animation was being done outside of the United States. I want to say South Korea. I could be wrong about that. And it came back and it needed to be edited. And they pushed it back. But first of all, it was delayed coming in. They just didn't have it in time to premiere in September. And then when it came in, it needed to be really redone. They needed to change a lot of stuff, fix a lot of stuff. Same with episode two. So episode one and two, when they premiered in October and November, premiered with a heck of a lot of errors. Same with episode three. 
So they took some time, they fixed everything, they fixed their processes, and then in January, when they came back, they re-premiered the fixed episodes, which are the episodes that we watched for this in the format that we watched for this, and then they started running the series from then on in. And then the series just became such an outlandish success, we'll talk about that later. So are either of you too surprised about how this went down? Not really. It was the early 90s. We didn't have the MCU. We did not have Kevin Feige. Yep. Not surprised. And it's X-Men, which throughout its entire comics history has had so much weirdness going on with it. Indeed. This had as much success at the time as the Batman, I want to say animated series did. So the two of them really brought forth the comic book superhero animation series to a new level in the early 90s. Just to give you an idea, to frame your mind on what was happening at the time. So with that, let's get into synopsis of the episodes. We're just going to talk about the episodes tonight. So Michelle, what happened in Night in the Sentinels Part 1? In Night in the Sentinels Part 1, a young teenager has been rejecting her mutant powers ever since she discovered them. But when giant robots track her down, it's up to the X-Men to save her. In Night in the Sentinels Part 2, after breaking into the headquarters of the newly discovered government branch called the Mutant Control Agency, the X-Men lose two of their own members in a battle with the Sentinels. In Intermagneto, as Beast awaits for his arraignment in court in front of an anti-mutant public, Magneto tries to break Beast out of jail, only to receive resistance from Beast. An old enemy of Wolverines pops up, and the X-Men take him in. Magneto then attacks a military base, trying to bring mutants together against the oppression brought upon. Episode 4, titled Deadly Reunions, had Professor Xavier and Magneto confront each other for the first time in years. Meanwhile, Wolverine and Sabretooth come face to face. Professor Xavier tries to examine Sabretooth's mind to figure out his rage problem. After his last terrorist action failed, Magneto plots a new one to bring Professor Xavier out into the open. Sabretooth and Wolverine confront each other in the mansion's war room. And in episode 5, Captive Hearts, Wolverine has a strong feeling for Jean Grey, but she's with Cyclops. Storm has a paralyzing case of claustrophobia and must overcome this as the X-Men venture into the New York sewers, ew, to rescue Jean Grey and Cyclops from a deformed race of mutants called the Morlocks. Storm confronts the leader of the Morlocks, Callisto, who wants Cyclops to rule besides her as king. So, Michelle, what do you think about the premiere of this series, the first five episodes? Yes, the animation is not as smooth as today's standards, but the story still holds up the way it's paced and everything will go into that in more detail. It holds up and skip that intro, Disney Plus. Never. This is still one of the most iconic opening theme songs for any television show. I've said it on Twitter. I'll say it here again. If you skip the intro to this show, we cannot be friends. So I came from this little series called Robotech and then 1985 and before that Star Blazers, but Robotech in 1985. And I bring it up because it was the first really, I will say, well done. And there is a lot of contention with that, but it was a really done saga or serial story where you got a cohesive story from one episode to the next episode to the next episode. Now, they took 
three different Japanese anime series. They mashed them together in this 85 episode series is just what was done in the 80s. So that's what I'm from. And this was a way to take that move forward with that sort of animation, comic book storytelling to tell a longer story versus like the monster or the villain of the week. Famously, you can think of the Scooby-Doo game, right? And by the way, I don't know what you guys watch this on, but I watched it on my 65-inch TV, the X-Men animated series. I could tell you it looked good. They might have treated it or something to bring it up in quality because I watched those Robotech episodes from the 80s on that same TV, and they look horrible. And it's just a difference between the 80s style of animation and the 90s style animation, maybe, or maybe Disney Plus treated it to make it look better, but it looked good on a big screen TV. How'd you guys think the animation held up? I mean, we're watching it on a 50 or 55 inch. I can't remember right now. And it looked exactly as I was expecting to. I mean, obviously it doesn't look as clean as something they're making today, but nothing does when it's this many years old. I refuse to do that math right now. You know, I watched it on a smaller, so maybe next time for next week's, I should watch it on my big TV and see the difference. All right. We'll look forward to what you think, and we'll ask Lauren if she's here next week, too. So, Michelle, talking about the start of the series, we just learn a lot about what's going on with the X-Men to start out with. Yeah. Episode one does a lot of world building. We learn a lot about what it means to be a mutant. We learn a lot about the team. Just in episode one, we get Jubilee showing what it's like to be a teenager first coming into their mutant powers, how frustrating it can be and confusing. We get the mutant control agency and the Sentinels. So we know exactly what our mutants are up against. We learned the purpose of the X-Men, their point of view, their powers, not just in the title. I mean, actually in the episode, we get the danger room. And for those of us who read the comic book, Getting to Danger Room was just a nice little nugget right in the first episode. We get the obvious Wolverine versus Cyclops. We don't need to know the details right now, but immediately we know this is a group of adults who have interpersonal issues like regular people. So we get that dynamic. And then we even get Rogue's story while they're doing a walk and talk. I mean, it's kind of like Aaron Sorkin in... I don't know where you're going. It could be the newsroom. It could be West Wing. West Wing. Yeah, it could be. And it's just, you know, they're on their way to get those files and everything. And she just has this nice little story while she's like moving things out of the way about how she kissed a boy and realized that's how she drained people. And that's right from the comics. And I mean, that's just an episode one. So we really get this idea of who we're dealing with, what they're up against. and. I was hooked from the first episode. And on top of the cartoon just being good in itself, it's also fairly comics accurate with what's going on. You're coming right out of the first Inferno event. Right after Inferno ends, you have a couple one-shots where the girls on the team go to the mall, the boys on the team go out to the bar. So, I mean, you've got a little bit of mix-up there because Gambit went to the mall with Rogue and Storm. But... Outside of that, they go to the mall, they find Jubilee there, and Jubilee hops back into their portal in the comics and follows them back to Australia. So you're not getting all of that here because there's no reason to bring Australia into it, 
but you're getting the important parts of this is where they meet Jubilee. So right away, you're just getting the sense of if you're reading the comics and you know what's going on, then this is going to be the stories you've wanted to see for a while. But if you're not reading the comics, as Michelle was saying, you're getting everything told to you. So it's not like you're in the dark at all. One of the things that I could have a criticism on, and this is, don't take me the wrong way. I'm just throwing this out there on these episodes is that if you don't know anything about the X-Men, all of a sudden you're walking into a team and you don't really know how the team was formed or anything like that. How is Professor Xavier bringing these people in and that sort of thing? I don't know if that's explored in the future or not, but it's definitely set in, okay, this is what we have. And then you start adding like a new member like Jubilee and poor Morph. Is Morph talked about later in this series or is it just like this first couple of episodes and that's it for Morph? I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean. Oh, that's fair. But I guess I, it's kind of if you're a Mass Effect player, you know, there's a certain character that they always refer to that dies in the very first thing. So that's just a mind flash of what I went to. And obviously this took place before Mass Effect was ever developed. So I guess if that happens here, this would take the origins over it. But anyway, aside from that, the series got a good, strong start. Definitely moved at the pace of Kid, the speed of Kid, which is fine because that's what this is, is an animated series. It's not necessarily the Clone Wars. I mean, once you get up to the modern animated series, like the Clone Wars, which are made for adults and kids both together, I think you can expect a different sort of production. But back then, you had a half an hour time slot. You didn't have streaming online, although the Clone Wars did start on cable, but you didn't have an online where you could fudge how long the episodes were. I timed one of the intros on with one of the previously ons. It's over two minutes out of 22 runtime minutes. So like 22 minutes out of half an hour. So they're eating into two minutes at the front, probably a minute at the end for the credits. And they really only have 19 minutes. And those 19 minutes go fast, really, for the most part for each episode. And if you're going to want to watch this, you got to watch your time because you can roll through five episodes in like an hour and a half, an hour, 40 minutes and be like, oh, wow, I need to go to bed now. It's midnight or something like that, you know? So just be careful if you're binge watching this, not to go too far into it because the episodes are so short. They're all like, oh, I can watch another. I can watch another. I can watch another. But definitely the episodes are short ish. And there's a lot of fights. Like there's at least three superhero fights in each episode. And it might be an episode or two that that doesn't happen, but a lot of fights and the fights take a lot of the time. Are you guys okay with the fights that are on there? X-Men fight. I mean, everything that's just what happens. I am. If you're a comic book reader, you're used to it. Also, like you said, this was geared to kids. You have to remember this was geared to when I was younger and all of us were younger. Now, it's kind of interesting how now it's we got the MCU and this is what we had. So, you know, coming from other cartoon formulas and everything, I, I'm not upset that there's superhero fighting. 
So, Michelle, what do you think about Magneto's story here in the X-Men movies? Magneto, of course, is a huge part of everything, and I kind of think he's going to be a big part of the series as well. But what do you think about how he was treated in his first five episodes? Magneto, I mean, enter Magneto. It's perfect. It shows his powers. He is a force to be reckoned with. He is not gone. One of the things I do appreciate is they moved his origin to an island which allows it to come out of like the real world timeline his story is still has the heart of you know trauma with war and everything but one of the things like now it's like well you know with world war ii but now it's getting longer and such so but now with this you can really place the story in any sort of timeline i mean Put in some cell phones with Jubilee, and it's almost like it could happen now. Well, besides for people shopping in malls, people do still shop in malls in some places, but by doing that, you can wiggle with the time. Yeah, and this coming out in the early 90s, with how old Magneto is supposed to be, having that World War II concentration camp connection makes sense timeline wise. And I thought they did a really good job of making that more child-friendly because of the audience of who this was made for without really diminishing that at all. You did get a great sense of Xavier and Magneto's past relationship from the series. Like, if I hadn't seen anything X-Men, I still know that the two of them are very well linked and have a lot of history between the two and have differing aspects of what's going on in the X-Men because. You're bringing out some of the key X-Men storylines and themes, including like treating the X-Men as minorities, right, Chris? Exactly. X-Men from the beginning has been, a lot of people are calling it the mutant metaphor, because it's these mutants that are taking the place of really any kind of marginalized group, be it a racial thing, be it a sexual orientation thing being a religious thing this is just a way that the writers over for the x-men comics were able to get around some of the political aspects of what was going on when they were writing the stories because you had a lot of the comic code stuff where you couldn't have any kind of relationship romantically between characters that wasn't just a normalized heterosexual relationship so you've got X-Men here who are representing groups there. A lot of things are subtext in this, and I'm really excited to be able to go back and look at this more critically and see what I can pick up off the cartoon. We are still having the discussion about art and politics. People need to remember that... I believe it was Jack Kirby who went down into the lobby and punched somebody. I don't know if that's a rumor or not, but you were punching Nazis in in comic books and everything. There's always been a political bent to Stan Lee and everything, even though you might not have seen it right when it was a kid. This is a way that they were able to address a lot of these themes. Everyone's just like, oh, take politics out of our comic books this was created to 
talk about politics without directly talking about politics. And if anyone wants to jump on that on a real deep dive, come find me on Twitter at Play Comics Cast. Yeah, that's we're going to talk about it more probably as the series goes on because we have five seasons of this to go through. One of the things that I noticed in true form for kids show is there is some tremendous overacting going on with the cast. And it's kind of funny when you talk or when you start reading about the origins of this, because they say, well, our first casting call ended up with a bunch of Scooby-Doo voice actors like Zoinks and stuff like that. Right. But the people that they got actually do a pretty good job, but there is some just flat out, I would say overacting or over accentuating the character basically. And Wolverine is definitely one of those, right, Michelle? Oh, Wolverine. They really start him off as just having this bad attitude. I mean, he ends up throwing a tenter tantrum because a girl doesn't like him. But it's interesting how he's being treated, especially when Sabretooth comes along. Part of me is just like, use your words, Wolverine. Just say, I don't like him because he was a traitor. He betrayed me. He is just saying, I don't like him. Xavier talked a little bit more about the relationship between him and Magneto. But Wolverine just didn't use, I think, enough of his words in that case. What's interesting is just like, take a drink, eat some chocolate every time he says, I go where I want to go. Yeah. Don't take a drink every time you'll get alcohol poisoning. (laughs) Or some very weak alcohol, that's for sure. And he makes Cyclops' car into a convertible. And then the very next scene is like Cyclops going to this bar with Logan that's playing pool with some people or whatever. And you look at the cars outside and the car's fixed. So things get fixed pretty quick around the X-Men mansion. Chris, what do you think about Wolverine in his totality here? I've never been a, a huge Wolverine fan. Like, I mean, I like the guy, but I think this is... I'm really glad that, spoiler alert, he's going to mellow out a tiny bit as we go, because seeing this Wolverine the whole time would be too much for me. But for how long we're going to see it, it's fine. And the way he's drawn, you certainly get a sense of how much hair he's got on his arms. How does he fit that hair inside his mask? No, I don't know. Also, with Rogue, by the way, Entirely almost different set of powers. Yeah, her core power is that she can take strength from other people, and that's very similar. But she can fly. She's pretty strong on her own right. And she's wow, I, I'm liking this version of Rogue. It's probably not comic book accurate, but maybe it is. I don't know. No, it's pretty comic book accurate. Oh yeah, it's accurate. So she can fly and just didn't fly in the X-Men movies. Yeah, they did not do her comic book origin in the movies you will find out why she can fly later on well i like her draw like her southern drawl and everything i I like it it's i guess that's accurate in the movies too you know in 1992 we didn't have all the x-men movies that we do today right to to pull on so that's what my experience is mostly i didn't really watch a lot of this at that time period that i just didn't watch a lot of tv that early to mid 90s I'm getting a lot, I have seen this before, but I'm getting a lot of it at the first time right now, I think. Also, let's talk a little bit about Beast. Beast, he's also over-characterized, too, with all his cerebral talk and whatever he's doing. And I think, you know, for kids, I think this is okay, going 
extremes on the characters to really pull out what they are. Some of the kids that are watching this are probably down like five, six years old. I'm starting to think that the theme of this series of episodes is going to be SP thinks that something is really overdone. And Chris and Michelle and Lauren pop in and say, no, that's pretty comics accurate. Well, maybe that's fine. I'm good with watching this. I had fun watching them anyway. Michelle, what do you think about the totality of the series here with the five episodes? It's a really good start. Yes, there's a lot of over, you know, there has to be, you know, you don't have a lot of time. So getting the regalness of Storm out right away is necessary for when you learn her backstory. Learning how Beast is cerebral. He's a scientist. He's well-read. He's articulate. Getting that right out of the gate will help sets up like what happens along the way. So having a lot of these sort of intense character moments. And what gets me is that they did the Morlock thing right away. I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, but one of the things that I liked was you got to know Cyclops and Storm a little bit more in the comic books. And you know, those of us who read them know the significance of her beating Callisto. It was when she didn't have powers because later on she ends up taking over in the comic books and just how fierce of a fighter she can be and a tactician she is. I don't know, Chris, what do you, I think that's probably because I'm, you know, comic booky sort of deal, but Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of wish that they had pushed the Morlocks deeper into the series so we can get to know characters that we have here. But at the same time, you also have that 90s cartoon idea of your first few episodes, like they need to introduce things, but they also need to be able to be seen later and not feel like a first episode you can skip when shows get syndicated and shown out of order, which I mean, admittedly, if you watch this show out of order, then that's just horrible anyway, because of how the whole story flows together. It was kind of unfortunate the way that storm her, uh, I don't know, PTSD was, was coming out and whatever it made. It was very jarring, but maybe that's what PTSD is supposed to be all about. So I did enjoy that quite a bit. It did, show her like as a leader and a leader of the X-Men, which was really good. Talking about another leader with Cyclops. I really want to like Cyclops. I mean, I do, but I just can't like, I order you, you have to do it this way because it is the way that it should be sort of thing. And like, eh, I guess I'm not going to like Cyclops. <laughs> I will spoil this much for you for the series. Cyclops is a jerk. And I only tell you that because there's no way you're going to be able to avoid it as we go along. Well, he's already there, so come to terms with that. I came to terms with that as a character, both in the comic, but I have read a little bit of X-Men comics. It's not on my pull list, to be honest with you, but I have read it in the past. I have read the Morlocks in the past, believe it or not, and I'm just not liking Cyclops as a character, and I really want to, but I, I just can't. It's, it's not going to happen. <sighs> All right, that was the first Five episodes. Anything left to talk about, Chris? I definitely want to throw out the fact that 
because I'm here in South Carolina, despite the fact that you can't really hear it in my voice, I can pick up that Rogue's accent is wrong. And I'm going to say this now just so I can get it out of the way. She is from Mississippi, and that is definitely the stereotypical Texas-inspired accent that everybody uses when they're trying to sound Southern. What's interesting that I want to point out is when I was watching this when I was younger, in the courtroom, I'm like, the public, public's not that bad. It could never be that bad. And now I'm watching it now, and it's like, oh, my goodness. The court scene when they're throwing the tomato, and then you see footage of school parents at school board meetings or something else. And it's just like, you know, this was supposed to be a warning, not a playbook. Yeah. <laughs> when reality starts mimicking comic book series from 30 years ago, you gotta scratch your heads quite a bit. Also, the X-Men destroy an awful lot of property. There's, I mean, no way around it. There is destruction left, right, and backward. The Sentinels destroy a lot more property. Okay. They rip open a house. They walk through a mall. Magneto destroys a lot more than the X-Men do. Magneto destroys a lot. So, in these first five episodes, yes, they destroy some property, but I would say the Sentinels and Magneto destroy a lot more. Magneto just has different ways to destroy tanks, whether he crushes them or takes them apart or has them shoot each other. He's just having fun with the tank toys. It's the power of 1960s Marvel magnetism. Do whatever you need it to. As Haley used to say on the show, because of magnets. <laughs> All right. Are we done talking about the first half, five episodes? I'm good. We saw Deadpool. I did not. I looked away. Where was Deadpool? All right. So as Morph is turning into a lot of people, then one of the people he turns into is Deadpool. Also, as they're doing the kind of flash through a bunch of here's other mutants that are doing things, but you don't hear anybody's voice, you see Deadpool's face. Mm, I see. Deadpool was in this. All right. Well, that was the first five episodes. We're going to keep going on next week with the next four episodes because that's the next arc. I'm not sure what the arc is. Lauren said four episodes is the next arc. So I said, okay, we're doing four episodes next time for the next arc. So if you have anything to tell us about the first five episodes, the origin or premiere of X-Men or the next four episodes, please get a hold of us can tweet us at Legends of Shield. You can call us on our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. Or you can go ahead and leave it on our Discord channel at gunnageek.com slash Discord. All right, with that, we're going to get into some news, which is really exciting this week. I just said that it's really exciting this week. I'm going to talk about the least exciting out of the three, and then Chris and Michelle are going to take the more exciting one. So basically what came across is Disney Plus has now corrected the MCU Black Widow Black Panther timeline error. You're like, what? There was an error? Well, let me explain a little bit. Previously, and this is according to comic book resources, previously, the services, meaning Disney Plus's, Marvel Cinematic Universe in timeline order option chronologically placed 
2018's Black Panther prior to 2021's Black Widow. However, Disney Plus has recently reversed the sequence of the two films and now placed Black Widow first. While both stem from Civil War, the stories of Black Panther and Black Widow are largely independent of one another and arguably could even take place concurrently. However, the juxtaposition of the two films in the MCU timeline by Disney Plus implies an intended chronological order, one that had apparently been shown incorrectly on the streaming service until recently. So guys, probably not too exciting to a lot of people, except for those people that are really tracking continuity. But yeah, it's been fixed. So Marvel and Disney Plus can correct their errors. I suppose so. All right, let's move on to something more exciting, Michelle. All right, Disney Plus MCU Hub adds every Marvel one shot. After several of the shorts were added to the Marvel Hub on Disney Plus, the streaming service now has every Marvel one shot available to view. Originally released as DVD extras permanently during phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the one shots include Agent Carter, 2013, Team Thor Parts 1 and 2 from 2017, Team Daryl from 2018, Item 47 from 2012, The Consultant from 2011, and A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer from 2011. Marvel Studios hasn't produced a Marvel one-shot since Team Daryl, though co-president Luis D. Esposito said in 2018 that Disney wants more one-shots from Marvel, but timing is a major issue. Quote, we're just so busy, he said at the time. Disney wants us to do it. We want to do it. And I keep telling them I'll do it on the next film. But I keep breaking my promise. As that someone who does not buy the DVD Blu-ray, I live in a small space. Also, I've lost stuff and whatnot. Being able to go online and see all of these things in one spot makes me happy. Curiously enough, we have previously covered the fact that Marvel was wanting to produce more one-shots, but they just didn't have time to do it in 2018 on this podcast. So we've talked about this before, but I'm glad that all the one-shots are in one place and it would be nice to see them again, especially as we're starting over basically in a whole new phase one. The end game ended and then we're closing down old storylines and we're beginning new storylines. It would be great to reopen that aperture into the Marvel Cinematic Universe beyond what we see on screen. Of course, we have the Disney Plus series to do that as well, but there's just something about the one-shots. It's just fun just to click on it. One drops every once in a while. They're just a short three to five minutes or longer, maybe, and they present the actual characters in in a slightly different light and a funny light in most cases. I just enjoy it. Chris, you haven't had a chance to talk about the one-shots at all in this podcast. What do you think? I know that we at least talked about it as a news thing. That the Sharon Carter one was gone before, but I really need to go back and watch them. It's been way too long. I never owned these on DVD, so I always had to rely on being able to grab the disc from somebody else, and I just couldn't do that consistently and not nearly as much as I wanted to. So being able to go back and actually watch these is going to be really nice. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite or not, but the one that sticks out to me the most is a funny thing that happened on the way to Thor's hammer in 2011. That was with Clark Gregg as he was in a convenience store and he was just stopping a crime. And it was incredible. The 
physical feats that he was doing in there. Of course, it was stunt double for the most part, but it shed Agent Coulson in such a different light. It was awesome seeing that. So that's the one that sticks out to me the most. Maybe not my favorite. I haven't seen all of them recently. I have seen the Sharon Carter one because I was curious about it. I think I talked about it when we talked about it on the podcast before I broke out my DVD and I actually watched it. And it does, you know, potential continuity errors with the Agent Carter TV show in there and stuff like that. But aside from, I mean, it's just more Haley Atwell. The world needs more Haley Atwell. That's the truest thing I've heard all day. So what else can you tell us, Chris? So we also have that Marvel has removed two of the upcoming MCU shows from the 2022 release slate. Over on Comic Circus, the Japanese branch of Marvel website has updated their page and they have removed Secret Invasion and What If Season 2 from the 2022 slate they had first reported to us about in that article. This doesn't necessarily mean that the shows are not going to drop in 2022. More likely, it's that they aren't set in stone, though, for 2022. Either way, the Comic Circus is going to keep an eye on the situation and report if there are any further developments. So, Marvel Japan has updated their Marvel Studios 2022 slate on their official website, also removing Secret Invasion and the second season of What If. So, right now, the lineup is Moon Knight, which is tentatively set for March 30th, 2022, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on May 6th, Thor Love and Thunder on July 8th, Black Panther Wakanda Forever on November 11th, and then three shows that are have a to-be-determined date, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and I Am Groot. Yeah, I am not surprised. There are a lot of things going on. I am actually wondering if the Black Panther Wanda Forever might be pushed because of recent news. One of the things that we reported last week is you know, someone coming, you know, we had people coming back from injury and then we had COVID case. It seems like Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is set and it seems Thor, Love and Thunder, there hasn't been too much. But if Black Panther gets pushed back, that will not surprise me. They do have some time though. It's not premiering in the first half of the year. It's November 11th during, you know, the last two months of the year. So they still have some time to pull it off as long as they get the shoots in. They could be concurrently working a lot of the special effects with a lot of the other scenes. Matter of fact, most of it should be done by now, but we'll see what happens with that. I'm more focusing on this news on the Disney Plus series. There's four Disney Plus series that are slated to come out in 2022, which would match 2021, by the way, because we had WandaVision, we had Loki, we had What If, and we had Hawkeye. Those were the four in 2021. Falcon. Falcon. Okay. So there was five. So five to four, although here's what I really wanted to talk about is we've been talking about potentially Marvel burnout or superhero burnout, which I guess technically should have happened already with all the shows on CW and all the shows on Disney Plus and all the shows that have been on ABC and everywhere else. If there was going to be superhero burnout, there would have been by now. There could be Marvel Cinematic Universe burnout, though. So is four series in the year too much? I don't know. Michelle, what do you think? Well, talk about burnout. There is news about the CW wanting to be sold. It's not making a profit. Flash 
is showing its age. Legends of Tomorrow has lost its. No one's really talking about it anymore because it's not the fun time jumpy show that it was. We have no more Bebo. We have no more Adam. And a lot of the original cast is gone. It just seems, you know, Batwoman and then Superman and Lois, Superman and Lois seem to be actually distancing themselves from what was known as the Arrowverse. We're not getting epic crossovers anymore. So when it comes to the CW stuff, it seems as though the Arrow Flash first part of it is on its way out. Because as I said, Superman and Lois, and then you have Batwoman. Batwoman's really good. They seem to actually, even though they're in the same like quote timeline, they seem to really be distancing themselves. And I know uh, that Naomi show has started up. I don't see anybody talking about that one. I stopped watching all that stuff at some point during the first season of Batwoman and just haven't gone back. I have heard of the show, but honestly, you say Naomi to me and I think of The Expanse and Naomi Nagata from The Expanse. When you say Naomi, my mind does not go to that show. Of course, I'm a little bit biased of not wanting to know anything about any of the CW shows because I was personally burnt out podcasting on it for so long on Arrow and all the way through Crisis, basically. And then I was like, okay, this is it. I'm glad I got to do it through Crisis. Michelle, I think you're glad too through Crisis, right? But after Crisis, I was like, okay, I need a break, series break from this. And if it starts genning up excitement again, I'll enter back into it. But I'm not interested in seeing the long decline of the series. So as far as CW being sold, I had seen that news as well. I don't know if it's specifically looking at the properties of the Arrowverse is the reason why. I think they were always designed to be low-budget TV shows to begin with, about $2 million an episode. I think I once heard from Nightwing, who started the Starling Tribune, the podcast that Michelle and I ended up doing. And that obviously would have increased due to inflation, but still, that's not a lot when you're talking about all the effects that needs to be done in a superhero show. And that's why you get all the tricks of shooting in dark alleys and stuff like that. And first of all, dark alleys are the place where a lot of mischief occurs anyway, but also it's a way to keep costs down of shooting because you don't have to worry about lighting as much. You just provide the lighting versus the lighting and you can do it on a sound set versus doing it on location or maybe on location is cheap. I don't know, but I do know that CW was going to have a hard business model to go after, especially since they flipped over to the CW app, trying to get more and more views from the app. And yet you had all these other streaming services come along that had even, in my opinion, better TV like Disney plus Paramount plus Netflix has been there for ages. You know, all the HBO max has had a lot of good streaming options that college kids and high school kids can get in there and start to do things. That's just my opinion. As far as burnout on Marvel, I'm not burned out on Marvel. I'm not nearly burned out on Marvel. I'm worried about the general public being burnt out on a lot of Marvel. And I've heard some, Unfortunate news along those lines with Batman. Now, I'm not personally a Batman fan, but there's a new Batman movie coming out, and there's been a lot of stories that I've seen, whether they're warranted or not, that said, is there Batman burnout? Well, I don't know. It depends on who you talk to, but this comic book burnout, quote-unquote, talk is going to be around for a little bit. 
until we start seeing the movies pop up into like 1 billion, 1.5 billion range like they were with Infinity War and Endgame. I guess Spider-Man did pretty good, but we haven't talked about that because it's not streaming. Anyway, it was interesting to see this news. It was interesting to see the way it broke, basically in Japan versus here in the United States. I think they didn't want to shake any investors or anything like that. Disney Plus didn't want to do that. But I don't think it's necessarily bad news. So you go from five series to four series. Okay, that's still a good amount of TV that you're showing. And plus, if you're Disney Plus, you still have all the Star Wars stuff on there too. So it really doesn't make a difference. I mean, if you're talking about geek genre shows, I think Disney Plus has it covered and they can go bang, 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 go back and forth between Star Wars and uh, Marvel and everything else that they have. And I think four Marvel shows is, is enough. I'm trying to remember the most amount of Netflix Marvel shows that we got in a year. It was at least three, maybe four. I don't remember precisely. I'd have to go back and look. And I would argue and say that there was Netflix Marvel burnout over there, whether it was because the writing declined or whether it was because people were thinking it was too much because it wasn't connected with the actual screen properties or whatever. But I don't think there's any thought of disconnection between the Marvel series on Disney Plus and the MCU. So I don't think that's an issue. I also think with Netflix, they had that mandatory like 13 episodes. I know some of them ended up being 10. With Disney Plus, I feel like they're giving their creators the license i mean we're getting six episodes with moon knight that's a lot shorter than a 13 episode also with netflix they were always a minimum like 45 minutes to an hour on disney plus some of the episodes have been like 25 minutes some of them have been an hour i think that flexibility might help prevent the fatigue and you really can't discount the fact that Netflix was dropping the entire season at once. So if you wanted to make sure that you weren't going to get spoiled for anything, you had to hurry up and watch the entire season or else you pretty much couldn't go online for a while. Yeah. An interesting conversation last night about binge watching versus weekly watching. And just, it comes down to some people's preference, but I do think that there's a certain water cooler quality that comes out when you're releasing weekly, even if it's on a streaming service that you're releasing weekly versus not. Because I'm kind of liking watching Boba Fett every week and you know, like waiting for like other people to watch it so we can just uh, talk about it over like the weekend and everything and then pre- preparation for next week. One thing I do miss is the live tweets when the episodes premiere or when they're showing. I do recognize the fact that in the United States of America, you were talking live tweets on the East Coast and then live tweets on the west coast so if you lived on the west coast if you were on like twitter you'd be spoiled about what happened during the episodes if you didn't have blocks on keywords and stuff like that or you just were on the property for those two hours so i i do realize that unfortunately most streaming services drop these episodes in the middle of the night or early in the morning you know sometime between midnight 3 a.m or something like that on the east coast And that makes it difficult to have a live tweet when you're watching to just to get the traction because not a lot of people are on Twitter in the middle of the night on the East Coast sort of thing. So I do realize it's worldwide, but you're still 
barking up that tree. And Doctor Who also has this issue, by the way, of premiering something worldwide. They did it with the 50th. They premiered it at a time that everybody in the world could actually watch it at some point in time during the day on Saturday. It was on a Saturday. And so BBC America aired it the same time that BBC aired it over on the UK. So it's just interesting things that come about that. Anyway, talked a lot about this. Uh, If our listener has anything to say about maybe too many Marvel series or which series you're looking forward to the most, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, or I Am Groot, I think I know which one Michelle is looking forward to most. I'm just going to, I'm going to say it. You can say I'm right or wrong. I am Groot. She-Hulk. Okay. Chris, I think you're She-Hulk. That one is right. I want to see the fourth wall breaking and how they do it. I'm looking forward to She-Hulk as well. Uh, of course, Ms. Marvel's, I've read the comics for a while. I'm, I'm up for that one too. So yeah, I guess Moon Knight. It'll be interesting, but I just don't have the background to say, ooh, this is really something I'm looking forward to. So, yeah, I'd have to go She-Hulk. So, we're all three for She-Hulk. Although Moon Knight does have a really, really cool Peach Momoko cover that's going to be coming out a couple weeks before the show starts. So, because I really like her art, I'm going to end up getting that comic, and then because it's in my house, I'm going to read it, and I'll probably be excited for Moon Knight after I read that. Talking about covers, I just got myself a new to me 2018 11 inch iPad Pro. I will say, Comixology looks a lot better on that thing than it does on an iPad Mini. So I will be able to read more digital comics. I'll still get physical copies of the stuff that I really want, but this is going to enable me to to read through them in times that I'm not home and I just don't have the comics next to me. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to stuff like that. But there's nothing that beats that physical copy of, of the cover, you know, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And saying, yeah, I got this cover. Yeah. And it's in a bag with a board behind it. Or on your wall or something like that. That's going to be the Gwenverse series for me. All right. Well, you know, if we wanted to go out to our local comic book store, Michelle, how would we do it? I think we need to take Cyclops' new quote-unquote convertible out for a drive. I wish my car work, body work, was done as quickly as Cyclops' was. Or maybe he bought a whole new one. I don't know how would the finances work in the X-Men mansion. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this. We look forward to... Hearing what you hear, listener and viewer, on what we just talked about with the X-Men and the Animated Series is a whole new thing for me. I'm excited to keep on watching as we move forward to the X-Men 97 series, possibly in 2023, maybe in 2024, but we're going to get there as well. If you want to hear more of me, I am on the Smoking and Drinking in Space podcast as a guest host, once again, this time talking about the Expanse. So by the time this podcast comes out, The Expanse Season 1, they're doing it season by season over there. So The Expanse Season 1 will be out. You can hear me just fanboy out about that tremendous sci-fi series. And you try fitting an entire series of The Expanse in one episode of a podcast. It's tough. Tough. Stuff fell off the table, but we're having a great time talking about it. So you can catch that over on the Creative Brain Candy Podcast Cooperative at creativebraincandy.com. 
I would like to thank everyone for, of course, listening to us, downloading us, and interacting with us. You can also find me on Twitter at shell underscore game. I am also on the Nerds with Dice channel, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, on our Rift's Ballad of Fates show. And if you like hearing more from me, you can head over to playcomics.com, where for the latest episode of Play Comics, I talked to Stephanie Williams about the Nubia miniseries that's going on right now. And as of when we're recording this on Thursday, I have no idea what the next episode is going to be coming out on Sunday. I've got a few to choose from. Might be hearing me talk to Taylor Esposito, because that's been recorded for way too long. just want to point out that you were talking about Nubia as I was holding a copy of Nubia in my hand. I press play on your podcast. I'm holding a copy of Nubia. I had no idea what I was listening to. I just knew it was the next episode of Play Comics. I was like... <laughs> No way. This is the person behind this. This is awesome, Chris. I don't have a concept of how you're able to score such high talent for your show. Do you want to know the secret? Yes, of course. I want to know your secret. I ask nicely. Ah, I see. That's it. Well, anyway, it was a great episode. Congratulations. It was fun to listen to. So, listener, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, once again, our voicemail is 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. We also have a Discord server at guineageek.com slash Discord, and you can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. So, until next time, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. Bye. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Chris, I like how your head is in between Wolverine and Cyclops. Yeah, that's why I went with this one, because the other ones I was looking at didn't really work out too well with where my head was. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at Incompetech.com, and also artists on Pond5.com and AudioJungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I'm just going to assume that's a bowl of macaroni and cheese. No, it's not, but I wish, but no. Yeah, we had leftover taco meat, and I thought about making myself a bowl of macaroni and cheese to have that to throw in. And then I realized I really didn't want to clean the pot, so I just didn't. (laughs) Oh, I understand that. Hey, guys. So, SP, how is your butt feeling? You know, I was just getting up to get my coffee and stuff, and uh, the uh, right, not to be too graphic here, but the right butt cheek is getting a little sore. Michelle hasn't seen it yet. Michelle, I slipped half an hour ago on my driveway, and my my ring camera caught it. I went down pretty hard. My head is what I was really worried about, but it wasn't bleeding. Did you hit your head? Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to make fun of your head. Well, why not? Everybody else does. That's a good point.
Anyway, I sent it to Chris and I said, this is how I said my podcast. I didn't die. <laughs> Aww. I did not watch yesterday's episode of Boba Fett, but I'm really looking forward to it. I was not expecting it. I still haven't watched any of it. But I agree with what the internet says about giving Bryce Dallas Howard her own Star Wars movie. She's earned it. Who does she play? She's a director. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. She's Oh, yeah. She's directed many of the Mandalorian episodes, and she directed this one. I'm looking forward to it. I didn't like the color-coded stuff last episode. Not that I didn't like the inclusion of it, but it was just poorly executed, in my opinion. And you know what I'm talking about, I think. Other than that, it's been fun watch. I've never been a Boba Fett fan, and this has just been entertaining. Oh, oh, it, it. yes, cat. Hello, cat. Kitty? Here. Here, say hi. Hi, which <gasps> one is this? You have two, right? No, this one's mine. This is Kit Kat. Okay. Such a cutie. I know she is. Yeah, yeah. How do you think Kit Kat and Thor would get along? Thor doesn't get along with anybody right now. Oh, she's very much, I am the only cat. She's one of those. <laughs> I am the one. <laughs> yeah. She was the adoptable, she was the unadoptable cat. Is she feral at all, or is it just, uh, she just likes to be alone? No, um, no, she doesn't like to be alone. She just wants all the attention. Eh. She wants, she is like queen. I don't want anyone else. I am queen. Don't forget it. No, um, they, like she, she was at the, um, they told me the story. They were like, she came in as a kitten, very scared. You know, they worked with her to get her to, you know, stand people. And then, because it was one of those clear the shelter events and mm. you know how you go in and you look and, and everything. And then I just sort of like was putting your finger, you know how you do mm -hmm. and stuff. And I did. And all of a sudden she starts revving up against the door and everything like that and stuff. And she chose you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and now here's the thing. It's like, oh, I want to look at a kitten. And the volunteer went to the one beside and like, no, 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 her. And he's just went. No, she doesn't like anyone. I just went, but but she's rabbit C and she and his eyes just went, Okay, she scratched people. Okay. Just ended and all of a sudden I'm just like scratch, 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 scratch. And she's just like and they just, just went like and then all of a sudden like they went and they just went, Yeah, uh she adopted this one. And even the other volunteers were just like the it was it she was the cat they didn't think were was adoptable. Adoptable, yeah. Well, he's yours now. Yes, she is. All right, enough talk about chocolate cake. Let's talk about the chocolate cake for Legends of Shield because we love talking about Marvel. Because of bad Cajun accents, Mom Petit. If you have a bad Cajun accent, then you can. I don't even blah blah blah. <laughs> I was not expecting. <laughs> if you want to talk to us about bad Cajun accents, you can talk to us on our website, legendsofshield.com. I could tell you it looked good. They might have sort of treated it or something to bring it up in quality. 
Because I watched those Robotech episodes from the 80s on that same TV, and they look horrible because it's it looked good on a small 19-inch TV. Sure. I'm not sure I understand either, Siri. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. My watch just talked. We're out. Yay. Good show. Yep. Great way to start this series. So excited for you to see things. Yeah. I like seeing things. That's why I have glasses. <laughs> Glad you like it so far. Yeah. It's been cool. I actually watched it several times. So I watched it kind of in the background as I was doing other things just to get the feel for how everything was going to go. And then I sat down and watched uh, snippets of a few episodes as I could sit down and let it kind of roll in the background. So I was actively watching it, but then had to get up and do stuff. And then I sat down like, I'm going to connect the dots here and take some notes and have a good time watching it. And, and I did. It, it was good. It reminded me of the cartoons in the 70s and the 80s that I, I watched. I didn't watch too many cartoons in the, in the 90s, largely because I didn't like the animation style. A lot of it was going at like the, the Batman, the animated series. It was more computerish than a hand drawn. And this was head hand drawn. So I did. I enjoyed it. Looking forward to seeing where everything goes in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing more X-Men because why not? Right. There's tons of X-Men. There's so many people that are going to pop up in this. And unfortunately they won't pop up for long enough, but they're there. It's kind of, so I'm already kind of accustomed to it. So like over in the Arrow show or any of the CW shows, we'd get these great cameos of these characters and you'd think, oh, they're going to be around for a while. And they were only around for a few episodes and then they left and you're like, oh, but that's just how I, I learned. That's how everything rolls. That's how the comic books roll and stuff like that. And even though some of the characters might be around for a very long time in the comics off and on, they just show up for a few episodes and that's it. Like, I don't remember the last time that the Blue Marvel was in a Marvel comic book. And I don't know why that is, but they're not using that character at all. You're right. The Ultimates 2 is the last time I saw them. Yeah. So I'm just, what I'm trying to say is I'm just used to it. So yeah, I'll geek over the cameo and then move on with life. I think I'm going to be watching more Expanse. I'm going to try to catch up on Foundation, and we'll see if that happens. It might not. Watch these episodes. Did you finish Lost in Space? No. So season three came out, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I haven't seen season three yet. Oh, okay. I want to. I've seen season one and two. I like the series. I just haven't seen season three yet. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it more than I thought I would. Some of my students were just like, you should watch it. And so, yeah. Okay. I think it ended okay. I think, I don't know. Could Netflix like just say you have a season three, you have this many and that's it. I think that's what came out of it. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's still a good season three. I don't want to spoil anything. I think it ended fine. I think it ended fine. So it didn't end on a cliffhanger or anything. They actually knew they were ending. Hmm. No, it's a good ending. Okay. It's like, yes, they have more stories to tell, but it's a good ending. All right. I still like that original movie with Matt LeBlanc and with, uh, gosh, what's her name? Ah, oh, I can't remember her name that plays Penny. Still like that movie today. Even though it's cheesy as I'll get out, I like it. But I like the series too. So I can't go back and watch the old black and white anymore. It, it's just, I just can't. But uh, 
yeah, the new one's pretty good. Chris, have you picked up any of that, the Lost in Space? I haven't watched either of those yet. Do you have Netflix? I do. I just, I've had a bunch of stuff going on over here. Yeah, it's fine. So Lost in Space, Another Life is another decent series, sci-fi series on there. Um, I don't remember other stuff. But Lost in Space has been on my queue for a while. Heck, maybe I'll, now. I want to finish Foundation first. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.